Welcome to Under 30, the podcast of the EU Council of Europe Youth Partnership. Today, we are talking about the state of youth civil society globally and in Europe. How does the state of youth civil society look like? What are the main challenges? How are young people dealing with these challenges? And what are some of the things that youth work, youth policy, young people, youth research can do to make an improvement? We're speaking today with Alex Kent, co-CEO of Restless Development, and Lukas Tede, who is the member of the Advisory Council and Youth of the Council of Europe. Alex and Lukas, would you like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what is it that you do? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Alex Kent. I'm the co-chief executive of Restless Development. And Restless Development is a global agency which is all about youth leadership. So enabling, empowering, strengthening youth leadership and so that young people can lead change on the things that matter the most, things like climate justice and education and livelihoods and other issues. Hi, I'm Lukas Stede. I'm part of the Advisory Council on Youth on behalf of the German National Youth Council. And I'm a representative there of young people, of actually 30 young people. And uh, I'm doing this for about one and a half years now and yeah, looking forward to the new mandate. Thank you both. The idea for this podcast actually came about when Restless Development published its report on the state of youth civil society around the world. Alex, can you tell us a little bit more about the report and what are some of the main findings, main conclusions, and how does the state of youth civil society look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to kind of work out how civil society was doing through the pandemic. I feel like, you know, with so much time, attention, research had gone into different sectors, especially, of course, the financial, but really, uh, obviously, health and vaccines. Actually, how was youth civil society affected? So what we did is we did a global survey of 900 youth organisations, really informal youth-led organisations in over 90 countries. And we also did deep dive spotlight sessions on about 22 of those to just get a real kind of global picture of how a youth-led change was, was, was working out or how it's infected. And I think there were two effectively main things that came out. Firstly, that youth civil society is undeniably threatened and increasingly the threats to youth society were exponential through the pandemic. So the first just being financial. I think nearly all of them, so more than 90%, nearly all of the youth-led organisations. When I say youth-led organisations, I mean anything from a mutual aid group to people volunteering in the neighbourhood to make sure that people have the resources that they need or to help lead in hand washing or to help with refugees or with education, like any of that grassroots youth-led change. And more than 90% said that they were struggling financial losses and that they'd had to adapt. They'd either closed, so lots of, we found lots of youth led organizations which had shut as a result, or they'd had to lose staff, or they had to kind of radically change as a result of those financial constraints. But to like emerging trends which are coming up through the pandemic was this increasing challenge to mental health and well being and the compounded crisis that so many youth activists and, and youth-led organisations are feeling, they're not only working on the frontline issues, but also having their own their own issues compounded. So struggling with I mean, having to drop out of university education or losing jobs or having to care for family members. So really feeling that burnout, the anxiety, the mental health, and also just having a sense of agency taken away. So someone saying, oh, you can't hug you can't gather is having a huge impact on mental health 
Um, then the third issue was increasing divide. So depending on if you're digitally connected, if you're online, that so many youth civil society organisations have been able to thrive. If you don't have access to the internet, really being held back. And also that gender divide. So the majority of the ones that have survived are, are, are male-led as well. So really it's the girls and, and women that have been losing out the most. And then lastly, a kind of loss in trust in government and media, the kind of loss in trust in the formal power system. So that's the kind of the threatened. On the upside, incredibly optimistic. So actually the majority of those that we surveyed said that youth civil society is stronger than ever been before. So despite these huge challenges, most of them are saying, no, we're better and we're stronger. And I think with that rejection of the formal power and the governments and this loss of media has been this emerging of like, we're just going to do it our own way. We're not going to wait for you to catch up. Like creating new ways of creating of making that change, especially on climate justice. Like the Fridays for Future felt quite optimistic about we can create this different world. On media, rather than waiting for formal media to tell a certain thing and actually not trusting it, we found that especially in Macedonia and Serbia, creating new channels, letting young people lead that narrative and spread correct information. So a huge optimism based on being adapting and resilient as a result of the pandemic, reclaiming power. So where power is being taken away, actually forming that solidarity with other networks and especially globally. It's like a kind of rejection that you're going to take away that power from us. Actually, we're going to continue to build, build that connection and create this new normal. And then I think the last one that really came out, it's really, really powerful. Actually, young leaders and youth their change having this incredible power to reach new audiences. So using a creative and an innovative, so quite often using art, drama, theatre, a way to create, to access much, many more new audiences in a much more powerful way. So actually, despite the challenges, it's come across as really, it's quite phenomenal in terms of the power that youth-led organisations still have. Thank you, Alex. It actually reminds me of some political philosophy books that say that the crisis actually is a moment for motivation and inspiration and action. Is that the the case for the Council of Europe as well, Lukas? You know, the Council of Europe works quite a bit on the questions of youth civil society and the shrinking space, not during the pandemic, but not only. It is the work that started before. So what is the situation when it comes to the Council of Europe state? Yeah, so I think you made a very good point there, Alana, that crisis is indeed giving opportunity for changes and that, that you can have like really in these disruptive environments the option to change quite big things in a small time because it is really needed. But one thing that young people are basically struggling with is that in a lot of different governments and even on the local level, they weren't really able to take part. They weren't hurt. They weren't engaged with and they when provide with opportunities to really have a say when it comes to the post-pandemic influence in politics, but, but also in general. It was basically mostly older generations deciding and young civil society struggling with all the points that Alex mentioned, not really able to gather in their normal forms to meet up, to develop their ideas, to share, to work together and to shape their environments. And that is a huge thing that affects us 
all of us, like the different member organizations of our youth representatives in the advisory council and all the organizations we're working together with, but also the national youth councils and their experience and their members. Yeah, looking at the at the Council of Europe, of course, there is a lot of opportunity for change right now, and there's a lot of need for change as well. Not only looking at the pandemic, but also the war in Ukraine going on, the different political struggles right now, a certain backlash on democracies and on civil rights in different countries that, yeah were a key part or that played a key role in the last mandate for us and uh, right now and uh, that actually brought us to the point that we uh, developed this revitalizing democracy campaign, uh, Democracy Here, Democracy Now, and we really passed our way for it even though the member states were eager to uh, look a bit more at their own topics right now and uh, during pandemic and post-pandemic times, but we really saw this problem that was mentioned in different countries and uh, even on a European level and we said like, okay, we need to focus on revitalizing democracy, we need to focus on civil society organizations, and we need to focus again on young people and giving them the opportunity to meet up and change things. But even beside the campaign, last Last mandate, at the end of last mandate, we were working on a recommendation on youth civil space. And we had a hearing with uh, different experts and uh, representatives of the member states of the Council of Europe on this topic. And uh, we saw, saw the struggles within countries, but we also got lots of notes from organizations that we're working with that there are these financial problems, there are these structural problems, but there's also a lack of sometimes basic civil rights to meet up, to engage, to set your own agenda, have the agency as young people to work on topics that affect you and that are important to yourself and that are not set from others, but that you can set for yourself and uh, that you can really promote on a, on a level and yeah, work towards advocating for it with difficult, different political institutions. Thank you, Lucas. Actually, there were lots of things that, that were brought up by two of you in terms of the challenges for youth civil society. So as Lucas summarized some of them that Alex mentioned, the structural, the financial issues. Our research also shows that there is a huge gap when it comes to how young people are dealing uh, with the current political, economic, social uh, security situation in Europe and globally. So what are some of the things that, in case of Alex and Restless Development, what are some of the things that the youth organizations can actually do to advocate young people's participation and for young people's inclusion in different processes to improve the state of youth civil society? Yeah, a lot of things. So there's definitely not a lot. I mean, I think actually, yeah, I'm hearing us talk. I think the one thing that's really aware and we need to also keep elevating is that young people and youth-led change is totally taken for granted. Like it is ultimately, it's kind of, it's the society in which we live. It's the backbone of every neighbourhood, every school, every community. It's it's dependent on young people organizing or doing a concert or it's there everywhere and it's that really healthy backbone of a of a healthy society that's able to thrive and take on the crises the multiple crises that we've got at the moment and it's just it's not it's like what is it and everyone's like we don't really understand it it's not tangible i can't touch it so i don't really understand it i'm not investing in it and by not investing it or even giving it airtime it it's kind of 
yeah, it, it's really struggling. But also, I think we need to not fall into the mistake of trying to formalise it. What the magic in youth society is that it is fluid, it's creative, it's outspoken, it's creating new ways and not trying to go, okay, I'm going to formalise it, it's going to have a youth sector with ministry. And it's just like actually seeing that, yeah, what is ultimately fragile and, and creative and all those things is the power. So like, the things that we can do, one is is this, actually just talking about it celebrating it really calling it out when you see youth-led change quite often it's really small it's quite often it's the local thing it's when a couple of young people have got together and formed a group making sure that their elderly their relatives have a newspaper every day so it's little things like that all gone okay I'm going to pick up all the all the waste in my neighborhood or make sure that the local school um, have preschool meals or I'm going to call on my local governor to say what are you doing about the transport system it's really small and I think it's celebrating those big wins those wins don't get often in the formal media but trying to get more stories out there and just letting people feel that the connection powers and that's an absolute number one and then there's lots of different things just making sure that young people have a seat the decision making table as Lucas rightfully said but it's not just a seat into your boring old structure which isn't very accessible it's kind of rebuilding that structure so if rather than just like okay you've got a feed decision making table this is the way we're going to do it you know thought changes on its head so it, it means tips and assemblies and doing it in a creative way that's accessible and meets young people where they're at where they care because there's no doubt about it young people really care like there is so many amazing youth-led campaigns out there you don't you, you know that thing but it, it's like bringing that into the central so meeting young people where that they're creating that change and bringing them in and then there's just lots of basic things like don't ask young people to engage at the last minute they're busy and like and also young people don't have most people struggle with livelihoods in terms of an income so don't ask them to come and don't pay them like maybe that's fine if you're a chief executive like me and you've got a stable salary and of course i can do a podcast but don't ask a young person with no notice and then not expect them to do it for free like that's effectively unpaid labor like just lots of basic things like actually young people you need to treat with respect and make it inclusive and provide the support and the mentoring and all the financials all the all the things which are pretty obvious when you think about but we just see time and time time again the bad practice and people like oh i need young people involved and they quickly kind of call a couple of young people to bring their voices in it's like no actually if you're going to want to meaningfully engage young people there's lots of best practice that we're we're very happy to share thank you alex it actually you know some of the things that that you brought up as you said seem quite simple but can easily be practiced and also they show the diversity and breadth of different forms of youth-led campaigns and youth-led actions but also what can different levels from the local level of governments from youth organizations etc do to ensure youth-led processes. And Lukas is actually a member of one such body, the Council of Europe. And I'm glad Alex brought this question of youth-led change. So Lukas, maybe you can tell us how this youth-led change actually takes place at the Council of Europe youth sector. Yeah, in the Council of Europe youth sector, on the one hand, we have like a very good system of giving young people a meaningful way to participate. As we are having this co-managed body where 
young decision makers and uh, people who are actually getting selected by the European Youth Forum as one big youth umbrella with different organizations and lots of different people with different perspectives and backgrounds are involved, but also 10 additional members are getting selected so that we can fill in all the gaps that even this big youth umbrella uh, still has. That's one good way to have like young people involved, having it formalized and having them sitting at the same table as governmental representatives and co-deciding on topics, on different recommendations, on what kind of projects are needed the most, which you need to fund and all those other things. And I think that's one good way to using like such formal structures and really having a direct impact and a formalized way to get young people involved and get their voice heard in a process and really getting institutions working with these inputs and not just shuffling them somewhere in the in the board or in the drawer and leaving it there but really forcing them in some way to work with them but that's just a very formal way i think it's very hard for most people to get through the structures get to understand how these institutions work what are, what is the scope what is the level on how getting people involved and that's not going to catch anyone like off the streets and you can ask young people directly to go there and just talk about stuff you need like a lot of experience in different structures and organizations to work in such a formalized way and i think the most important thing that institutions and countries and governmental bodies should do is going to young people where they already are and trying to not force them into structures and not like implementing something and saying, okay, we are going to do this or that and then wondering why no one is showing up or something, but really looking like, okay, what is what are young people doing? Because they are trying to take their own space and they are trying to use the space that is given to them the best way and then using that input and that experience to taking it into account. And we have the question, or not the question, but the topic of Fridays for Future, for example, and they are really saying like what they want. And it's like youth organizations are working for tens of years, even longer, different ideas, different topics, writing papers, uh, discussing these things, having it like a, the like little workshops of democracy from their local level to regional ones even to like on on a federal level or even beyond europe and there is all this input it's not something you need to create again or where you need to do too much new things it's just like working with the things that's already there strengthening the strengths that the structures already have and really giving them opportunities giving them the opportunity and funding them to meet up to develop even more ideas to engage in different processes and using the voices that are already there and on the other hand trying to reach out to young people that are not already involved in the structure so i think that would be like a good way and that is something we are trying to do as the advisory council as well and at the youth department in the council of europe because we are having these yeah sessions that are funded by the European Youth Foundations. We are having study sessions on topics with different young people from different backgrounds, different organizations meeting up and really working with multipliers that can reach out to their local structures again and draw ideas from there. And so spreading on the one hand the opportunity we have, but also collecting all the knowledge that is there. We are trying to provide funding to local initiatives, uh, trying to do like a very basic way and 
Of course, we're not having the biggest funds. It's not nothing compared to the Council of Europe to looking at uh, how big Erasmus is, for example. But uh, still, it's like a very basic and important work that we are doing. And uh, I think it's something where we are really building upon to strengthen youth civil society, to strengthen the processes and to strengthen organizations and getting their voices heard as good as we can. I think the best people to lead young people is young people. And I think it's really, we've, you know, we've, we've done this lot, tried and tested lots of different things about rest, from the rest of development, what works the most. And it's really investing in young leaders to lead other young people as well. So it's that sense of like, how do you invest in communities and networks? And especially through the pandemic, everyone needs a sense of belonging. Everyone needs their group, whether that might have been your local choir group or your knitting circle or your debating society, your book book club. You need your community and those need to be led by young people and not feeling like you need to create something different or separate. And I think the other that really came across is actually when people are digitally connected, that doesn't need to be restricted to borders or to your local neighborhood. And I think that's incredibly inspiring. It's like the connection, the solidarity that we were seeing from young researchers in Nepal, um, LGBT communities there, which were really affected, especially during the lockdown with other communities in other places. And when the pandemic first happened, it affected all of us in the same way. It was a huge levelizer. And that being able to have young people providing solidarity, support, mentoring, inspiration to other young people across the world is is a huge force for good. And I think that really sped into that because of the pandemic. So I totally agree with you, Lucas, like rather than us creating a separate way, meeting young people where they are at, they're already doing it, but letting there be an ecosystem where that continues to thrive. Okay, thank you. Uh, There's one thing, actually, that probably we can finish this uh, recording with. When reading the the report, Alex, yeah, and putting it also in the context of COVID-19 and what happened and how the youth civil society, what challenges it actually faced and, and what kind of positive outcomes were also there that you talked about. And I, I tried to read this report also in the context of what's happening today, actually, in the world and how it impacts youth civil society. I look, for example, what happened when the, when the war in Ukraine started and what happened with the youth civil society it was actually the first one to respond. It was the first one that was very, very responsive. So it was really good to see in the report that youth civil society was responsive. And it happened in COVID, very quickly adapting to the changing reality, I don't know, going online and so on. And now with the war in Ukraine, it was the first one that actually started with humanitarian aid, started with organizing places for refugees. I come from Poland, where there is a, a, a lot of refugees from Ukraine. And it was young people who were basically there. It was young people who were the volunteers. And there's a lot of other changes happening on political level uh, of the co- economical crisis uh, uh, and so on. Uh, What's your vision, Alex? What will be needed now or what is needed, what is already kind of important to think about when thinking about supporting your civil society? Yeah, and just to to reiterate what you said, absolutely. So young people have been responsive across every single crisis, you know, be it the the war and Ebola and Sierra Leone that was coming out in the report as well or or the um, COVID pandemic. But they're not only responsive, they're kind of like the justice-driven. So unapologetically focused on the big issues as well. So not getting bogged down, oh, I've got a shopping list or I need to do this, this and this because my work, my day is really busy. Like, no, actually, there's a climate crisis and that's the only thing that matters. 
or there's a war, that's the only thing that's going to matter today. And just being really focused, which actually I think we could probably all learn from, is like, actually, what's the big thing? And, I, and just doing whatever it takes on the big issues. So I think that's incredibly powerful. I What needs to happen? I, I think probably more we could not be seeing youth as a problem. So often you hear about there are so many young people missing out on school. They've had to drop out. They're not getting back into an education. What's going to happen in terms of jobs? We've seen growing inequality. We're seeing the the job market drop. All of these things are real. But young people are not the problem. They are the solution. And I think the more we can be showcasing that and that this alternative way out of multiple crises and creating no, there was a bit of the world for a while that we talk about build back better, but creating this new alternative is youth-led. It's already happening. And the way that we can be celebrating that, bringing it together, showing the real power of youth, seeing rather than saying, oh, there's a big global challenge here and it's because of young people. Like, it's that one. I think turning that narrative on the head and just really celebrating this incredibly power because young people are doing it, right? They're, they're facing the challenges, but they're really optimistic of this new way of the new creative and the response. And so, yeah, there's lots of back plumbing that we need to do to do this right, but ultimately celebrating, enabling this really positive power to create a new world and just not not taking time over it. Like young people, young leaders are there already. They, they are creating another world. So I think we just need to just catch up. <laughs> like I think the world of structure just needs to get with the program and 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 really give that the airtime that it that it needs and deserves. Yeah, I think the, the same question goes to Lucas because the, you talk about a lot of initiatives, advocacy work of the advisory council and the Council of Europe when it comes to youth to youth work to youth civil society. What needs to happen now? Yeah, I think I can just directly connect to what Alex said. I think young people really have this in their in their minds that, of course, you need to act locally. You need to act directly and help. And that's what happened during the pandemic with like this shopping for neighbors and other things, but also doing like the initial yeah results of the war that started in Ukraine, where lots of refugees were coming and where there was indeed help needed where whether it was uh, accommodation whether it was food medicine all those things well youth organizations were really active and tried to organize locally and then getting it across different countries uh, directly to the border and to ukraine but on the other hand young people are really seeing the bigger picture as well it's not, not like fridays for futures only looking at what can you do on your own that is basically a thing but it's not enough to look at what can one young person do it's about the bigger picture the some bigger things that need to change to really turn the ship around and get us uh, get earth not overheated too much for example and uh, yeah i think i can can conclude on what one of my fellow colleagues in the advisory council once said doing an eu youth conference it's youthless policy is u- useless policy it's if you don't let young people participate if you don't take in the younger generation, the future generation in uh, into account in developing policies, in shaping the bigger picture, in shaping how the future looks like, whether it is on a local level in changing your city or your, your village to some extent, but also on a federal level and even beyond that, whether it's European or global. And I think that's something we really have to focus on and we have to 
enable young people to participate and we do that by strengthening youth civil society by strengthening youth work and providing opportunities so yeah that young people can have work in their own workshops for democracy which are basically youth organizations where you vote for your local leader and where you learn how to participate and be an active part and a useful part in society and and you're just not doing it because it's forced on you but you're doing it because it's that's how things work when you're together with different young people and trying to work out what you're going to do next. I think that's that's a core value and that's something that always needs to be um, yeah, pointed out and held very close to the core. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Lucas, for your input and all these positive messages. That's all for today. And we, of course, would like to invite you to listen to our next episodes of Under 30 Podcast.